Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Coming up. She obviously did not grasp how dangerous he was. And unfortunately, he took her to his house and he did not release her for days. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Fort Worth police say 26-year-old Marissa Grimes met a man in January at a party. That man allegedly took Grimes to his house and held her against her will for days before she escaped. He was charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon before being released on bond. Really, there was no one else she was afraid of like she was afraid of him. Weeks later, at the end of February, the body of Marissa Grimes was discovered by police under that man's house. He had wrapped her in something and put her in the crawl space underneath the house. And investigators believe there could be more victims. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. I'm joined by Malini Basu at WFAA in Dallas, Texas. Malini, thanks for being here with us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Will. Glad to be here on this unfortunate story. Yeah, let's talk about what happened to Marissa Grimes. It's just, it's really shocking and awful to think that she ran into this suspect uh, a month before she was killed. But let's go back to January and tell us about what happened. She met this man in a bar, right? So sometime in the early days of January, Marissa Grimes goes to a party and she meets this guy. He seems like he's kind of cool, doesn't get any type of a bad vibe off of him. Valerian Osteen. So the two of them talk at the party. They hit it off. And they're like, hey, you want to go out? So they go out. They end up going somewhere. And then she somehow ends up back at his house in Fort Worth. And so, and just to give our listeners a, a bit of background, she is a 26-year-old mother of two, right? Yes. She has two boys. Um, and she's so dedicated to her family. I mean, all she ever wanted was to be that perfect mother to her children to make sure they have food on the table, to make sure they get a proper education. She was that girl that would sit there and watch TV and cry if there was a sad scene. She never, ever saw anything bad in life. She just wanted to be that positive person, never saw bad in anyone. That's just that's just the way she was. Her dad describes her as she was my, uh, what was the way he said it? It was like my perfect child because She's the girl that would never argue. She was the peacemaker. So when all of this happened, it just, none of this made sense to them. So she meets this guy. He's 24, a few years younger than she is, 24 years old. They go back to where he lives. What do we know about what happened next? For whatever reason, so this was, um, so again, the early days of January, she goes to his house. And so when I spoke to the uh, family attorney and his sister, they tell me 
hey, she wants to leave and she can't leave. It's like he's holding her against her will. This is according to family members. And so she somehow manages to send like this cryptic text message to her dad. I don't know what that exact message said, but it's a cryptic message. So she somehow tells her dad, look, I need help. So the dad and the mom get in the car and they drive around this area looking for their daughter, looking for a car, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then eventually there is a text message that goes through saying, hey, meet me here. So dad is like, look, I'm going to handle this on my own. And he has a gun with him just in case something goes wrong. But the mom's like, look, let's just call the police. Let's call the police. So they end up getting to where the daughter is. Literally just moments later, you see a police officer pull up and you see Marissa in the passenger seat. And she runs out of the car without saying anything. And she just runs to her parents. And then at that point, that's when police uh, arrested Valerie and Osteen, and he's just been charged at that point with aggravated assault. He was in jail for a few days, and then he was out on bond. So, so how long had she been, it sounds like, kept at his house, right? Yeah, so it was, I would say it was a couple of days because I think it was January 9th, if I'm not mistaken, is when those charges were filed. So she was held there for a few days. Um, it's this house right off of Lock Avenue in Fort Worth uh, where neighbors would tell us when we spoke to them um, that there was just something strange about the man. They didn't know what it was. They couldn't pinpoint it. There's actually um, a man that lives just like two or three doors away, and he's a bartender, and he tells some of the friends that stay with him, he tells the girls, like, listen, just don't even go anywhere near this guy. Just don't go near him. And this is obviously all coming from people that live in the area, from the family, from the attorney, is the way they're painting a picture of Valerie and Osteen. And so apparently she had escaped from his home. She got to police, got to her parents. He's then taken into custody and, as you said, released on bond. He's released on bond at that point. And then, if you want to fast forward just um, just a couple weeks later at that point, Marissa and her parents are like, look, we're just going to get you out of here. She somehow, she rents a U-Haul, rents some sort of a, a truck just to move out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. As she's getting ready to move, he somehow finds out where she is. And then he supposedly then holds her at gunpoint and then takes her back to his house. The craziest part is he has a GPS monitoring bracelet. So the police obviously should know where he is at all times. So officers think, hey, did he just lose power? Why can't we track him? Where is he? They think maybe he, we don't know what happened. But this is after the family then contacts police is when they say, okay, my daughter's missing again. It's got to be this guy. Something's wrong. They finally show up to the house, knock on the door, knock on the door, and they see Osteen does not have his ankle monitoring bracelet on. They see that he cuts it off. And then they have this strong smell. There's like this odor coming out of the house. They don't know what it is. Finally, they go back just around the house. They look, and you'll see this is a pure and beam house. And so in the back of the house, you'll see nothing, but there's like wood piles uh, right as soon as you step out on the deck area, there's like wood piles. So they're thinking, officers are thinking that he dug a hole and he somehow stuffed her body right in the back where there's this closet in his room under this pier and bean house. And she's been there, they believe, for a couple of days. I mean, just an awful story just talking about this and hearing what neighbors had to say living next to this person. I mean, it's devastating. This mother of two with two children. I mean, can you just imagine what this family is going through? She sounds like she had so much going for herself. It's like you meet this guy at a party and then 
you think, hey, you know, he seems like a nice guy. There's no bad vibes off of him. And then the next thing you know, police are like, hey, yeah, he stuffed her body under this closet. I mean, just awful. Have police released a cause of death? When I spoke to the attorney, they said it was blunt force trauma. How she was exactly killed, we don't know. What he may have used, we don't know. Um, but just the thought of it, what the family is going through right now, um, it just it just hurts to even talk about. Yeah, and that's the second time when he caught up with her, she, in fact, texted her father that time, right? Yes, she texted her father the second time around, and it was just one text. It was just one text to dad. It was just a very vague text to the effect of, like, no cops or something like that. It was just one text message, and then the dad kept messaging back, like, asking for more clues, asking for more clues, nothing. And then, like, an hour goes by, nothing. Marissa? Marissa, Marissa, and that's that's when police. That's when they're like, okay, we have to call police. So the dad calls police, and the first place they go is straight to his house on Lock Avenue in Fort Worth, and that's when they make that discovery. So we could assume that she was potentially trying to reach her dad with this quick, short text message, and wasn't able to say a whole lot more. Yes, she was trying, but we don't know if Osteen was literally standing over her, watching what she's doing. Was he watching her text messages? We, we don't know any of it. But obviously, the way he sounds, the way her family's painting this picture, uh, it definitely sounds like, you know, he had control over everything. You know, the saddest part is the way, the way they're describing her body was found, not only was it blunt force trauma, but he somehow wrapped her up in something. It could have been a blanket or something like that. He wrapped her up and then he just put her under this crawl space under the house. I mean, just the thought of that, you know, for the family is what's devastating. But here's the other thing, Will, I'll tell you, is that some neighbors were saying that they had seen another woman come and go within, um, I'd say, days prior to Marissa's death. And that woman had reported to police that she had seen blood in the house. So with that being said... Officers say there are other victims out there, and they're hoping to identify them. Now, when I say other victims out there, they believe either women that could have been victimized, that could have we, – we don't know what could have happened with these women, but they are afraid to come forward because the way Osteen is described, he's manipulative. If you do something, I'm going to get you. They were just scared. So they believe these victims that are out there are scared to come forward and share anything. But right now, these women need to know that Osteen is behind bars and he, he will not be able to get out at this point. So women need to come forward and tell police what happened. And also, if you look through some of his Facebook posts, which uh, the attorney had shared with me, um, there's one where he's holding this huge assault-style rifle. Um, we don't know where he got that gun from. And this is, again, on his public social media page. We saw those photos, and it is... Uh, I mean, it's scary to think this guy, you know, in one picture, he's sitting there with like a cigarette. He's all tatted up from, you know, all the way from the neck down, just sitting there looking really cool. In another photo, he has his, um, he has like money shots, you know, paints himself as like, I'm a really cool guy. I'm just kind of chill. But these women, if they had any involvement with Valerie and Osteen, they should definitely come forward and put this case to rest and give the family some peace. I would encourage anyone that has been a victim at the hands of this defendant to contact the police department. What do we know, if anything, 
about his background? He's 24 years old, but anything else that we know about him? He's 24 years old, and the only other information we were able to pull up from him, you know, just looking back at his past, um, you know, he had these prior charges from Marissa back in January. Um, we really did not find too much, too much other stuff. Um, even asking the neighbors, like, hey, how long has he been living there? Have you seen him? And everyone would just say, we, we just, we don't know much about him. We would just never see him. But just really a guy who lived this private life at this house off of Lock Avenue, you know, just kind of the neighborhood itself, when you see it, they seem like, Everybody kind of, you know, comes out and talks to each other in the front yard. And, you know, when we pulled up, it was like, oh, boy, detectives are here again. Like, okay, this is our neighborhood. Like, like we're scared about what happened. We don't even know. It's like that saying goes, right? Like, you never know who's living right next door to you. It's like in a horror movie. That's the way everyone describes it. There aren't really any kind of words that you can say to anyone about any of that kind of stuff. It's one of those situations where you think it doesn't happen to you, and then there it is down the street. Melanie, this is one of those cases where... You can't help but wonder, I, I, I mean, he was behind bars. Police had him. He was released on bond. I'm almost surprised he was released on bond, but that was the decision of the court. Yeah, and that's the saddest part about it. Um, the family is just like, why? Why was he released? Obviously, I mean, he's been, you know, he, he was, so this was going back to January 10th. That's when he had that aggravated assault charge with a deadly weapon and also the domestic violence charge. And this was against Marissa. And why was he let out? I mean, it's a he said, she said story. But at the same time, I mean, this is, there are still a lot of details that authorities cannot release at this point because there's an active investigation. And the goal is to keep him in jail. But as of right now, I mean, there's a $500,000 bond. The bond is set so high that there's no way he can be released. Um, and, and the family, there's a long way to go. I mean, with the attorneys involved and just why, why? Like, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, if this is, this, you see what happened. I mean, the woman was calling for help and they're saying, listen, they didn't take it seriously. Someone dropped the ball here. Melanie Basu at WFAA in Dallas. Thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. Be sure to check out our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles, available wherever you listen to podcasts. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson.